staying here in chapter 13 of Romans. I'm going to read the first few verses and we'll look at them maybe in little chunks as we go. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. That's what we'll read for now and try to break that down. So, first of all, there's no powers but of God. The powers that be are ordained to arrange in an orderly manner or to assign. So the first thing we've got to get, and as the church, God help us to understand this first and foremost, that there's only one sovereign power. There's only one with all authority. There's not, there's not any to compare to God. God is the supreme authority over all of mankind, over every government, and over every nation. And if you're not careful, it's easy to disconnect what we see in the Old Testament in history from today. But in truth, the U.S. government and the Russian government and whatever nation you want to pick out from today, they're under the power of God just exactly like Belshazzar was under the hand of God. And God came to Belshazzar and said, you're losing your kingdom tonight. And that night, Belshazzar and Babylon fell. So the authority and, and the power is God's. And He delegates that. You see that? So let's look at a scripture too just as an example. In Exodus chapter number 9, now here's Pharaoh. Pharaoh's, we would say, he's an evil leader. He's uh, cruel in his treatment of the children of Israel. He's having children thrown into the river. And Moses comes and says, God has said to let my people go. And he said, I'm, I'm not going to serve God. I'm not going to obey Him. I'm not going to let the people go. We would say, now here's a man that's in absolute rebellion against God. And that's true. He was in rebellion against God, but he wasn't under God's... Though he kicked against the pricks, he was still yet under the sovereign authority, power, and control of God. In Exodus 9 verse 16, And in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up, for to shew in thee my power, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. 
in the end, how much power did Pharaoh have in comparison to God? Pharaoh was sovereign over Egypt and its people. What Pharaoh said was the law. What Pharaoh said was carried out. And yet God, God overruled Pharaoh. And even in Pharaoh's rebellion, God says, I've brought you up and I've put you in this place for this purpose. I'm going to wipe you out and my name's going to be glorified through you. And so God's sovereign power and control is on display and it's, it's all over the Old Testament. But just one more place, familiar place that you know, that you've heard, that you're aware of in the book of Daniel, chapter number 4. What you've got there is Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. He's given the testimony of how God, God changed his mind. Now Nebuchadnezzar, in the vision, he was the head of gold. And the way it looks, every kingdom and nation after Nebuchadnezzar is just a little bit weaker and a little bit less. So here, here might be, might be the most powerful, mighty, richest king that ever ruled on the face of the earth. This might be the man with the most power and authority that ever has been. And so here he is. This is Daniel chapter 4 and verse number 32. And they shall drive thee from men. Thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. And seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. What's God going to teach Nebuchadnezzar? You don't have any power. You're subject to me, whether you like it or not. And so Nebuchadnezzar, what, what happened there? Well, Daniel had warned him that this was going to come. Uh, humble your heart. Recognize God and recognize your place under Him. And he stepped out one day and said, look at what I've done. Look at this city that I've built. And God showed him that Nebuchadnezzar could do nothing without the delegated power from God Almighty. God could, in that moment, take his power from him. And he did. And he lived in the pasture like an ox for seven years. And in a moment, God brought his kingdom back. And Nebuchadnezzar said, I know who's in control now. I praise and extol the God that's given and provided all things for all men. So God is sovereign and the powers that be are ordained of God. God is ordered and assigned them to be. Even the evil, even the e He let Pharaoh have control of Egypt for the purpose of judgment and destruction. He did. And so the evil leaders of today, are there evil? There is, there is. There's evil everywhere today. And yet God is the sovereign power over all of them. And so He says in the next verse, Whomsoever therefore resisteth the power, 
resisteth the ordinance of God. So God has established and ordered the government in order to maintain peace and safety of its citizens. God allowed there to be a law and a government. We've seen examples in the last several years of what it looks like when the government says we're not going to do anything and lets chaos have its way. We've seen the results of that. And so the safety's thrown out the window, your property's thrown out the window, and nothing matters. So God's ordered government to be there for the protection and the keeping of the peace. So look, look with me in a place or two uh, in, in the book of Deuteronomy. 25, verse number 1. If there be a controversy between man and they come into judgment that the judges may judge them, then shall they justify the righteous and condemn the wicked. And again in Deuteronomy 17, 12, the man that will do presumptuously and will not hearken unto the priest that standeth to minister there before the Lord thy God, or unto the judge, even that man shall die, and thou shalt put him away from Israel. So God's ordered, even in the Old Testament, God gave a law, God gave rule, and those that were going to be rebellious, those that were not going to obey the law, those that were going to create chaos, those that were going to harm those round about them, God says, put them out of the camp that the death penalty be carried out, that that evil be put away. Now we've come to a day that you can kill a dozen people and we're so liberal. We don't want, to, we don't want the death penalty even for somebody like that. But God says, God's law, He clears the death penalty. God gave the death penalty. And you know why that is? The whole world's not regenerate. The whole world doesn't have God dwelling in them to condemn them. And a lot of those, those unregenerate, they're going to have to be governed by fear of judgment. And the law brings that fear of judgment. And it's that fear that keeps man under the law of God. So he says, back in Romans, Whosoever resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. So if God organizes government and God delegates authority to them, that means then that the government is subject to God. You see that? You got the pecking order. God's at the top. He's the supreme authority. The government has influence and power that God has delegated to them and He is the government is to use that delegated power to protect and watch over the people. So that means that, that the citizens then are subject to the government but it means that the government's subject to God. In no way and in no place does any government or has any government or has any king had authority to overrule God Himself. 
man thinks today that we're able to do above and beyond and over what God says. We can overrule God and God's law, but that's an impossibility because they're under. These lower courts, they can decide and, and judge and do all they want, but when the Supreme Court, when they make a decision, it does not matter what the other courts have said. You know why? They are the supreme. They're the top of the judicial branch. When they make a decision, everybody else has to fall in line. Well, there's a picture. You've got God at the top, and His law and His commandments are supreme, and no matter who says what, God's law is not going to be changed. And the government is accountable and answerable to Almighty God. So to rebel then, seeing that God has given this pecking order, then to rebel against government is in a sense, you see, to rebel against God. If God's gave them power to watch over, then to overrule and overrun the government is to, to buck up against God and God's delegated authority that He's given to them. And now, what we're talking about here, we're talking about rebellion, and this is what the early Christians were often accused of doing. If you want to look at some scriptures, um, in, let, let me see, I, I've wrote them down. In Ezra chapter 4, here they've been carried away captive. They've come back to build the temple. And they write a letter to the king of that day and said, these people are looking to build up a city and they're not going to pay tolls and they're not going to pay taxes and they're not going to be obedient. They're going to set this up and rebel against you. In Nehemiah, you'll see the same thing. In chapter 6, verse 6, Sanballat and Tobiah, they write a letter to the king and say, they're planning on rebelling against you. But you know, I, I believe we can get her a little more recent than that. The Lord Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 23 and verse 2, here's the Lord and the Pharisees and the scribes and the high priests, they bring the Lord to Pilate and they say, he's looking to usurp the government. He's teaching men. He's perverting the nation. He's causing a, a treasonous act. He's telling people not to pay taxes. So the government looks, and, and you know, you put yourself in Pilate's place. They were accusing him of that that would bring death on him. That's what the, the high priest and the Pharisees were seeking. But we know that none of their accusations were true. We know that that's not the truth. So God instructs us here to not be a rebeller and resist. So that word resist means to range oneself against, to oppose. Well, we're going to fight about it. So to fight the, the officer of the law, that's not the way that the Christian ought to act. To, to rebel against their authority, their rule, their policing, that's not the way that the Christian ought to interact with the world round about them. Well, they're standing up for some things that are evil. Well, we ought to stand against that. We're going to get ahead of ourselves if we're not very careful. But the purpose of the government 
is for the good. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. You know what the ruler's there for? To stand against evil and to judge against it that it would not spread through the nation. That we wouldn't have to lay down and worry about whether we're going to be broken into or destroyed because we've got law there to protect us. They're a terror, not to good works, but to evil. This is their purpose that God has put them here for. In Numbers chapter 16, verse 3, you talk about rebelling against the uh, governed authority of God. You see that there, that Moses is uh, bringing the children of Israel. They're in the wilderness now. And Korah and the sons of Korah and the princes and renowned men of the congregation, they stood up and said, Moses, you and Aaron, you're taking too much on you. We're able to do everything that you do. So they were rebelling against Moses and Aaron. But see, it was God that put them in that place. So to rebel against Moses and Aaron was to rebel against God. And again, uh, when the children of Israel uh, told Samuel, your sons, they're not like you. We don't want them over us. We'd rather have a king. And God told Samuel, Samuel, it's not you that they've rejected, but it's me. It's my authority that they've rejected. And so you see, as, as man would do evil... Even wicked and rebellious acts in this world, it's not just against man, but it's against God as well. God's the protector and orderer of life. And God demands that the government protect your life. That they protect my life. That they keep peace. That they uphold the law. And so God says, if you resist the ordinance... To resist the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now if I'm going to go out and fight with the police, I'm going to be condemned, and I'm going to go to jail. So to think that, well, I'm saved, I don't have to come under this authority any longer. I'm free of the obligation to man. God's saying, no, we're... We're still, though we're king citizens of a, a different kingdom, and we're citizens of a heavenly country, yet in the flesh we still live down here among men. And we're to be subject unto God and His power, and we're to be subject unto the law of this world as well. Because we, we see that the law is intended for the good of man. It's meant to be. It's meant to be for our good and for our protection. And so seeing that, we ought to be submitted to it. And God's teaching what what kindergartners ought to know, but what our world's teaching the opposite of, they're there for your protection and good. If you're doing the right thing, you don't have to be afraid of the law. You don't have to hate the law. They're there to protect you. And our world teaches rebel against them and hate and despise and disrespect the office and the authority. Look at the Word of God. This this is so foreign. But to rebel against that man's authority is to rebel against God Almighty. 
to resist the power and the influence that God has delegated to that man is to resist the power and influence of Almighty God because that's the source of the power. So let's look at a place or two. In verse number 3, they're not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he's the minister of God to thee for good. His purpose is for your good. I thought of, as I was thinking about this scripture this week, I thought of an example I believe that we can, we can see and understand. But we understand that God is in control of our health and our life. We've got Word of God to back it up. He's ordered our days. He set the bounds of our life. It is in Him that we live and move and have our being. It's Him that keeps us and it's Him that's going to take us. We understand that by the Word of God. But you know also, if, if I've got strep throat, God has delegated some understanding and some wisdom to man to be able to take care of that as well. He has. And so we, we seek the wisdom of man. That's been delegated for good. That's been delegated for my well-being. We seek their wisdom that God has given them and God, God cures us through that means. God gave that means. Now does that mean that it can't be used for evil? Does that mean that the government can't be used for evil? No, but that's not the intent that God gave this wisdom unto man. It's for the good. So... Uh, in Exodus chapter 18, let's look at just a place or two. Exodus chapter 18, here's Moses. Here's the government that God was setting up uh, for the children of Israel. Verse number 20, Thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt shew them the way which they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter shall they judge." So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. So we're seeing a, a government type set up. And you've got, you've got small judges down at the very bottom. You've got some that's up over them, some that's over them. And then you've got Moses, whose delegated authority came from God himself, up at the very top. And if uh, the little judge is unable to solve the problem... We go up to the next step and to the next step and finally Moses is the last and final judge of all. And you know in any government there's going to have to be a, a last and final judge. But even the top of the chain is under God. 
Moses was God's servant. So what kind of men did they seek to put in? Men that feared God. You can't even find a man that fears God to run in office any longer. And so we, we take the Word of God, we try to make the best choice we can out of what they support, what they believe, what they say is right and wrong. We try to make the best decision we can with what we've got. I believe we're obligated to do that. Recognizing that, that I don't know how many years it's been since there's been a saved candidate for president. But we ought to seek those that are the nearest to the Word of God and the nearest to His commandments. In Deuteronomy 25, Deuteronomy 25, verse number 1, If there be a controversy between men, and they come unto judgment, that the judges may judge them, then they shall justify the righteous and condemn the wicked. And if the wicked man be worthy to be beaten, the judge shall cause him to lie down and be beaten according to his fault by a certain number. Forty stripes. So we'll stop reading right there. But here's God's giving the authority to the government. And if, if they haven't got the authority to make a decision and to punish the evildoer and to justify those that are innocent, and if they haven't got the power to uphold the decision, then what good is it? What good's a speed limit if they can't write you a ticket for speeding? Is anybody going to follow that? If they can't hold you to that. So see the power then. The power of law is the judgment against evil. And if you do away with the judgment, then evil's going to have free course. The government should never let down the judgment of the law of God. Is God ever going to let down the judgment? Is God ever going to say, I'm going to let it slide, just go ahead and enjoy yourself? And so, God has put the government in place to judge the righteous and the wicked and to punish and to condemn those that break the law. Why is that? For the good of all. It is. It's for the good of all. As aggravating as it might be, the speed limit is there for your safety and for the people that you're driving on the roadway with. The seatbelt law is there for your safety because it's known that you have a greater chance to survive. These laws are there for the good of man. The judgment is there. That penalty for speeding is there. The truth is to protect you. That if you're driving out there and this maniac's doing 150, he could kill you in a moment. So the law, the authority, it's there for the good of the people, of the nation, and God has given that. And God uses, God uses governments to judge and punish evil, even on this world. So in 1 Timothy, 
chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Why should prayer be made? Why should we seek that, that God would keep and God would guide and God would lead that we might live a life of peace that the gospel of Jesus Christ might continue to go out. That ought to be the desire of the church. Now, when Satan gets in the mix, he wants to hush the gospel down. But the church ought to be praying and seeking God to, uh, to lead and direct the leaders that we might live a quiet and peaceable life. So he says this, He's the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. He beareth not the sword in vain. God's given him authority to bring judgment against the evildoer. God gave Moses the authority to bring judgment against the evildoer. And they bear not the sword in vain. If you want to rebel, you're going to be punished. And just because you're a child of God does not give us any excuse to live above the law. But we ought to be... The God's truth, the children of God, ought to be the best citizens that a government has. They ought to be the best. So uh, let's look on down here. Verse 5, Wherefore you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but for conscience' sake. In 1 Peter chapter 2, and I've, I've already looked at the examples of this, but in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 13, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors, or unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So just as they accused Ezra and Nehemiah of rebelling against the authority of the government, just as they accused the Lord Jesus of rebelling against the authority of the government, Peter says don't live in rebellion against the government that these ignorant and foolish notions might be put to rest by your actions. Though accusation be made, your quiet and peaceable life might prove to be otherwise. And so, uh, we have all of this, but we've got this as well. Now, you got to be careful. And in our day today, the, the world, the devil has got men so divided that you, you, you can't even have a, a reasonable conversation anymore without somebody wanting to blow up and argue and fight. That's, that's where we've come. We're so divided 
that we're not even going to consider. And so you've got to be careful with how you present because one person hears this and says, well, they ought to be subject. And the other person hears it and says, well, they ought to shut up. So we've got this as well, that when the government rises to the place of God, that God is still the supreme authority. So we've got in Acts chapter number 4, I believe here's a great example. Um, They've been preaching the gospel and the government. The Sanhedrin court, the 70 judges over Israel, they bring them in and they say, "We, we forbid you to preach this gospel or teach in the name of Jesus any longer. And so Peter's got a wise thing to say, I I believe. Acts chapter 4, verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. So Peter says, you tell me who ought to listen to more. Should I be under your authority and opposed to God? Or should I follow God and oppose you? The government's not supposed to oppose God. It's not. In no place does God give the government uh, uh, the right to oppose His Word and His Spirit. God's the supreme authority. So when the government says, you ought to do this, and it's opposed to the Word of God, should I obey them and go opposed to God? It doesn't make it right. It doesn't bring me approval from God to rebel. So when they commanded Peter and John, you shut up and don't teach, they didn't say, well, we're going to be good citizens and we're just going to stop preaching and we're going to stop going to the temple. They said, look, you you don't have more authority than God has. We're going to submit to what God says. We're going to submit to His authority and to His rule. In Daniel chapter 3, I believe you've got another great example. There's them three boys. Nebuchadnezzar, he's the government. He said, by golly, when I play the music, you're going to bow down. And if you don't bow down, you're going into the fire. You know what a pile of people had said? Well, he's the king. We better listen to what he says. But you know where his rule had come? It had come and butted up against God's Word. God said, don't bow to a graven image. God said, do not submit yourself to that. So who are we going to obey? Well, we know the story. King, you may have authority to take our natural life, but we know God, and though you kill us, we're going to be free from you. We're not careful to answer thee. We're not going to bow and transgress the commandment of God. Into the furnace they went, and God delivered them magnificently. But if God hadn't delivered, if they had went in and burned up, if they had died right there, they would have still done the right thing. They would have stood up for what God said against the rule of an ignorant and unlearned and foolish ruler. And again, same book, Daniel chapter 6. The government says, you don't pray to anybody but the king. 
well, we better be good citizens and we better just quit praying. Is that what Daniel did? Daniel went to his house like he always had. He raised his window like he always did. And he prayed unto the God of heaven. And they threw him in the den of lions. And people say, well, what a, what a fool he is to do something like that. And if the lions had cut him to shreds, he would have still done the right thing to stand up to the Word of God. Because man is subject to God. Government is subject to God. And God's going to require that at their hand while they're, they're free to do and govern and God's not going to have anything to do with that. I beg to differ. God has all through the book took down kings and set up kings. God judged Pharaoh. If God's going to take the most powerful man on the face of the earth and judge him for his wicked rule over the people, don't you think God's going to judge today as well? You better believe that He is. And so, the government is under God. When the government bucks up against God, God help us to stand up for the truth of the Word of God. And my God, how far, how far that we've come in, in ten years' time. That there was a time you could say that and everybody would agree we ought to follow God versus the government. And we've come to today that the government knows more than God. The government is more right than God. And we ought to obey them and throw God out the back door. That's a shame that that's the thinking. But God has not changed, nor His authority. God's not stepped off His seat. And God's not put any government up to His level either. They're all under Him subject to Him. So he says, on down in 13, Wherefore you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but for conscience sake. For this cause, pay you tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So what's he say here? Pay your taxes as well. Because the government operates through your taxes. They are ministers and protectors of your life through the tax that you give. <coughs> so he says, as you pay your tithes to the church, we, we've got a picture there too. You know, we operate, we pay our pastor, we pay the power bill to have lights and air conditioning, and we buy oil in order to have heat, and we maintain the building and all of these things with money that comes from each one of us. And if, if everybody said, well, I'm not going to tithe, then we'd run out of oil and we'd get cold in the winter. They had cut the lights off. The roof. You see that? If there's nothing coming in, then the church can't operate. Well, that's the way the government is. It operates off of our taxes. 
And so we, we pay our taxes and pay our dues. The Lord said, render unto Caesar that that is Caesar's and render unto God that that is God's. And so <clears throat> I'm not saying that it's not ridiculous. I'm not saying that our money is not wasted often. And I say this, the church ought not to support that I'm giving tax money and it's going to abort youngins. Well, you're, you ought not stand against that. That come from the government. That's against God's Word. That's opposed to the rule of the Word of God. And so, should the church say that, well, yeah, that's alright. That's what they've said to do. Should, should we? Should we be happy with that? No, absolutely not. We ought to stand against the evil and let the truth of God be made known. And I know man says, well, that's, that's up to the woman. That's up to people. That ain't got no bearing on any. That young'un's not alive till he's born. And God said, Jeremiah, when, when you were in the womb, I chose you to be my prophet. That is the Word of God. So, you can like it or lump it. That's just the way it is. But God says, pay your taxes. The Lord said the same thing. Don't be accused of being some rebellious and seditious people. They already are looking for a reason to cut your legs out from under you. The Jews in this day, they were already looking for a reason to throw the church in jail. They were already looking for a reason to go before the judges and accuse them that the gospel might be stopped and that the church be closed up and that the word of Jesus no longer go out. Well, not only for conscience sake or for wrath's sake, but for conscience, we should do this rendering to all their dues. Tribute. To whom tribute. So that's a load, a tax, a toll. Custom, to whom custom? That's a sales tax, a levy, a sales tax. Fear, to whom fear? That's respect to those that demand respect. And honor, to whom honor? Value or esteem. So the Christian ought not badmouth the law when he pulls him over, and he ought not come in and, and fling a... Uh, a mean phrase at the judge when he steps into the courtroom and the Christian ought to be paying that that they owe and that they do their due. They ought to be submitted to the law of the land as well as to the law of Almighty God. They ought to be citizens that they're working, they're paying what they owe, they are subject and they render what's due unto those that's around them, that nobody, whether it's from a governmental standpoint, a religious standpoint, or a standpoint of the Word of God, that there be no accusation that could be brought against the church that would harm the gospel 
of the Lord Jesus Christ in the eyes of the world. Understanding this, what I do, really, I'm not going to lower God by what I do. But I can lower the, 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 the way that man thinks around me of the Word of God by what I do. What I do can harm the reputation of the church and the gospel in the community. What I say can harm the reputation of you and me and the preacher and the gospel, the very Word of God. We can harm it by what we do. So he says, for conscience sake as well as wrath, to avoid being brought into judgment against the law, but also for conscience sake. We ought to be upstanding citizens. So maybe we'll stop right there. I I realize maybe it's a a little early. I've got got five minutes. I'm I'm going to keep going. I apologize for that. Just just a couple more places. In in 1 Kings 18, and I won't turn to these. I'll just bring them up to you. You can turn to them and read them if you'd like. In 1 Kings 18, Ahab is the king of Israel. What kind of a king was Ahab? He was a wicked king. Ahab said, we're going to kill all the prophets. We're going to kill them, every one. And Baal's going to be our new God. So if you're going to obey, if you're going to obey the king, if you're going to be the good citizen, well, we've got to kill the prophets. We've got to get rid of this. Because that's what they said. If you're going to be a blind follower of man, this is the place you're going to be brought into. But there's a man named Obadiah. He's going to hide 50 of these prophets, or 100 maybe. And he hid them by 50s in caves. And he slipped them bread and water. He risked his life against the rule of man in order to obey the Word and the rule of God. And so when, when government is breaking or opposed to God's law, God's law is always first and above the law of the land. I believe that's the way our nation was founded. That's the, nation, that's the way that uh, it was meant to be in the beginning. And we have slowly diverted from that. But the government ought to be held accountable. You know, the citizens can hold the government accountable to the law of God. They're accountable to the law of God. To allow murder is against God's commandment. To allow wickedness to go on, to allow thieving, is opposed to the commandment of God. Should the government not be held to that? Absolutely. They, They ought to be told to do your job. You've got a duty that God has delegated to you and we expect you to do your job. It's the truth. Here's the bad thing. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God is the supreme authority? Do you believe that God's law is above man's law? Do you believe that the law of man is accountable to God and not God is not in any way accountable to you?
He's not going to tell me why he done that. I might have to answer to the judge. I'm accountable to the law of the land. I might have to answer to the judge why I did that. But God will never give an account of His actions. God is the supreme authority. Wouldn't have been no law if that had been God. That's exactly right. He told them what to do and they done it. That's right. And he says that in the first, there would be no power if it weren't for God. We could live in absolute chaos. There's countries that today are in absolute chaos. And you never know, you might get blowed up tomorrow. There might be bread, there might not tomorrow. Uh, yeah, as as we buck up against God, it it can't get better. Life in prison. Anything else on your heart? Pray for us.